0: Hi, y'all. I was at a religious educators, no, religious professionals of color conference by the UUA this past week. I got in just last night. It's called Finding Our Way Home, and it definitely is the UU space I feel most at home in. I appreciate the congregation for sending me because it is a vital part of my ministry and leadership, sustenance, and community. Now, for the sermon, I want to give you a heads up. I'm going to be a bit question heavy. I'm leaving many points open as questions because I hope they stimulate conversation, further reflection, and continued action. Now, for the sermon. On March 20th, only two days from now, it is the first day of spring. The earth is awakening and in bloom. One of the beauties of spring is the healthy and strong diversity present in nature. Many colors, different animals and plant species, in variety, celebrating life. (laughs) What joy. I love it so much. I find it interesting that although we know spring comes, there's something about it that tends to feel sudden. It's been building for days and weeks and years of patterns in motion, but one day, on a drive, on the street you're used to or a walk in a park you frequent, the aliveness and vitality of spring seems to jump out at you. It's like you forgot the trees could be this green. And are the daffodils this cheery every year? The earth seems to have switched to spring all at once, And it's moments of these revelations that we say spring has sprung. However, we know intellectually and even experientially that what grows and blooms and produces fruit was no simple, small, or insignificant effort. The components that create a flower are in a seed, but require co-creation, cooperation, and relationship. It takes nourishment from soil and sunlight and water for a seedling to live. And for a seedling to live, it must grow. It has to stay in motion in the tender space between effort and ease as it breaks through the ground, reaches for the sun, and unfolds. My question today is the earth is ready to blossom into spring. Are we? What have we set in motion? What does our system, our church, the culture here, among friends and within worship, produce? What does our context welcome and fortify and sustain? And what does it silence, discourage, and erase? I'm here to tell y'all that your system is good at what it produces. It's pretty logical. Take a look around. Who do you see here? Pause and reflect on leadership in the church and fellowship over the past 50 years. What we've produced is what we're good at. And likewise, what we are lacking is what our system misses. Friends, we too have the capacity to bloom like spring in a transformative way, to flood the community with warmth and hospitality and compassion and acts of service bred from relationships we dared to foster. And we can spring forth by being true to ourselves and minister to our neighbors by the beauty of our values, the perfume of our consistency, and our dancing flexibility in the winds of change. And boy, do they (laughs) they blow (laughs) harder and harder, it seems, every year. And it takes vision. It takes and requires faith. Do you all have a vision? Anyone here with faith in a dream, in a community, in a cause? Think about it right now. Take a moment. Bring it to your heart's mind. Feel how it warms your core and fills you. Listen to this next part from this posture, thinking with your heart. Is your vision for healing and transformation? Is it for the betterment genders and sexes, sexual orientation, people with disabilities, races, ethnic groups, and all other persons who are the focus of systemic and personal oppression? Do you long for a community that values human life, that lifts up wonder and is ever curious? A regular invocation? has the line that we come into this sanctuary of justice to speak freely all injustices and impressions. Is that true? Do we have a culture that uplips disability justice, sexism, racism, white supremacy culture, institutionalized oppression, colonialism, the price of capitalism and militarism, just to name a few? And if we do, do you feel familiar in the discomfort of those conversations? Does it move your values into action? Do you let it change you, transform you, so that you bloom and are transformed into what we haven't seen before? Those who have dared the path of vulnerability to bring one's vision to fruition know there's resistance. And not just any old stumbling block. There is a heart-crushing, logic-silencing, fear-flooding intruder on our journey to growth. Shame. Dr. Brené Brown researches vulnerability and has this to say about its nemesis. Shame is the intensely painful feeling that we are unworthy of love and belonging. Shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we are capable of change. End quote. Y'all, shame is a vicious kind of weed. Shame is at the root of silence and inaction. It claims the potential of a new bud and suffocates its growth. It sucks the nutrients from the soil, making a person feel isolated and disconnected, even when among friends. It hogs vital water, leaving a soul brittle, rigid, terrified of change. Shame seeks to silence your heart's vision, your hope, your vitality. It distracts us from the action-motivating power of responsibility by the seemingly more noble posture of denigrating shame. Shame convinces us shaming shame or avoiding shame is all great shortcuts to reconciliation, when really, transformation is the goal. We must be vigilant against shame. This weed, if not tended to, spreads and strengthens. Shame ignored becomes part of the infrastructure of relationships and culture. It's the very fabric of the systems of oppression we wish to transform. Shame is what grips humanity in a vice of injustice. And why? Because shame begets shame. It perpetuates silence and fear and the silent killer indifference. Shame makes not getting involved look good. Uh, But I didn't mean it. A plea to be absolved of the work of healing. Shame weighs down and keeps down the desire to grow and change and transform in all of us. And Dr. Brene Brown is clear that the weed killer for shame is a two-step process. And all you ecologically and health-conscious you use, I'm very happy to say this is organic and a non-toxic weed killer. (laughs) And like any weed, it's better dealt with early, when the roots haven't had long to grow and grip the spirit or strangle the soul. So, at the first sight of shame, step one, speak it. The spiritual teacher, Jan Van Zant, has a catchy phrase I like to use for step one, and it's call a thing a thing. Call a thing a thing. Say it. Write it. Admit it. Confess it. I'll give you a couple examples. I'm modeling step one. Here's one right here. I'm sorry. I'm committed to doing better. All right, here's another one. This feels sticky. And I feel ashamed of who I am, who my family is, but I know that's not the goal. So I'm working to switch to responsibility out of shame. Step two, meet shame with empathy. The truth's out in the open. It's naked and afraid. Ignoring shame allows it to grow. Indefinitely. And shaming shame only strengthens it. But empathy, true compassion, I see you. That's real. You matter. Mmm. Kind of love melts it. Empathy sneaks in and unwraps the spidery roots and softens the grasp with honest kindness. Mmm. Can you all do that? Let's practice this one. I want you to pause. Take a breath. Feel it from your heart space, from the depth of your gut. Give me an mm that speaks soul to soul. Mmm. Another one. Mm. And There's no pity in that. There's no helplessness in that. That's an I see you and mmm, mmm, mmm you don't have to speak even you just gotta embody what is to be empathetic so two steps and then you re-enter community and co-creation beloved community so simple so hard truth recognition free the seedling into the journey, transforming into a product we haven't experienced yet. We are the microcosm of the macro, and the work we do within is to be shared among and beyond. When working to be a healthy and vibrant individual and community, I have found on both sides of privilege and oppression, the weeds of shame, perpetuating the lies of separateness, of otherness, of scarcity. In our visual hymn, we saw a music video by activist Lilo June singing to indigenous people, Rise Up. Her prophetic call to her community is vital, and you may notice it isn't isolated. Disability activism makes people with disabilities visible in a society that's trained to erase their body and being. Black preaching speaks to the empowerment and worth of the black body and soul. Black power was and is a movement of affirming black personhood and agency. Diana Ross's, I'm coming out, hey, and Lady Gaga's Born This Way, are both songs that reclaim the humanity and pride of a person in the LGBTQ community. Like the chant, we are here, we are queer, or I too am a man, or time's up, and me too. Truth is being shouted from the mountaintop to save the shame-stricken soul under oppression. A theme in all these tools is leaving the weeds of shame and letting one's good and holy essence break through, rise, and bloom. This rising, it's the work, not of only those who find themselves in the marginalized communities. Humanity needs the privileged, too. We need the educated, the upper class, the heterosexuals, the English speakers, the able-bodied, the whites, the men, the cisgendered. We need them all. I'll quote Lila's closing words in her music video. In this time, it isn't Indians versus cowboys. No, this time, It is all the beautiful races of humanity together on the same side. And we are fighting to replace fear with love. This time, bullets and arrows and cannonballs won't save us. The only weapons that are useful in this battle are the weapons of truth, of faith, compassion. End quote. All people are needed to break this binary of Indians versus cowboys, person of color versus whites, poor versus rich, woman versus man. We must rise beyond this binary, because the danger of an us versus them paradigm is if we dare to listen to the other and find them to be good, it automatically casts you in the role of, of the villain. If you're good, I must be evil because there can only be two parts to play. And with this thinking, it goes, but I sure as heck don't want to be evil, so I'll stay stuck in the shame of an unjust system I am perpetuating by not moving. And my goodness, this all sucks so much, I'd rather just not talk about it. You see how slippery that slope is? And it all started with the shame, and the binary, it propagates. Beloved, sweet friend, if the hashtag MeToo, Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ plus equity and disability justice, or any effort of a marginalized community to reclaim power and agency feels offensive, or like an attack on you in worship. If you felt the sermon last week on soft bigotry and microaggressions was annoying, or maybe it made you squirm, feel guilty, or helpless. If you feel I'm highlighting in love the fact that this congregation is largely white and that class, gender expression, disability, sexual orientation, variety is not abundant here on the Hill, because I am. I'm highlighting that. If you're super nervous because the black intern at your church is speaking directly about race, why is she doing it? We like her. <laughs> I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to all of us. Let's take a breath. Soften your mind. Think with your heart. Return to your vision, your faith, because it's fed with love. It seems we've found ourselves betwixt the weeds of shame, Lila called all of us to the same side of love and luckily to move from shame to a posture of co-creation we've just reviewed those steps ha, how convenient we have an organic non-toxic weed killing serum for this give it a shot try it speak it meet it with empathy join us We need you. We need us to transform. Can your organic, non-toxic, shame weed killing serum be the first weapon of choice when the going of growing gets tough? The earth is in bloom and like it or not, our outcome on this hill is our advertisement of why we come together for worship or fellowship and our aspirations for justice within, among, and beyond. So let's get like the flowers and grow, grow, grow from love, in community, in compassion, with courage. I want to reread Pavana's poem in closing. And what do the flower buds pushing up from the broken earth say about you we break to grow break away from shame and join the movements again grow together in love